and welcome to another 2008 themed edition of Life of Die. I'm your regular host Gordon and I'm joined once again by fellow 2008 fanatic Alan. Hi Alan, how you doing? How you doing Gordon? Nice to, nice to hear from you again. Absolutely and it's good to have you back on the show. So this is now the third of our Strontium Dog podcasts and the last time we were talking about general tactics and some little notes about the rules and so on so I thought this podcast we would have a closer look at the villains uh, specifically the outlaws they're called in this there are some other villain villainous characters who are strontium dog agents but we're really specifically looking at the outlaws so we thought for the listeners at home who have the strontium dog game we'll probably go through these but well, we will go through these in order uh, so you're looking at page 61 in your rule book and we'll, we'll take you right through those and at the end of it we'll also uh, maybe have a few extras in there to talk about some other characters as well as the, the ones that are in the core book so let's just get straight into it, Alan. Um, I think you'll take the lead in these because you've been playing it recently, obviously with your Strontium Dog series, The Killing. I hope everybody's enjoying that and uh, following it because it's <laughs> absolutely epic. Um, so yeah, you're, you've got the kind of most recent play experience with them. Yeah. On my blog, and this is one of the things, I'll, I'll drop some of the links for this um, with the podcast. Add about... I think it was about two years ago, I'd um, basically went and analysed every single one of these <laughs> characters. So I'll chip in along with what you're you're saying and, and I'll see if it agrees with my more analytical rather than uh, play-based. Well, I played loads about the time to arrive at a lot of these conclusions, but um, yeah, you, you're the one that's definitely much more up in playing these recently. So shall we start with the, the main bad guy, Max Bubba? Yeah, and what a bad guy he is. He is a... Uh... A true great rival for Johnny Alpha, I feel. I've noticed that with playing him. I mean, he's got the blazooka, obviously the big bazooka-like weapon, which is aimed fire only. But um, the thing that I think gives him an advantage is the fact he's also got a custom hand blaster, which is high power, Mm -hmm. as well as having a long barrel. So there's no minus modifier when he's trying to hit at long range. And the fact he's got a gunfighter is phenomenal. And Part of me kind of toils with the fact, I mean, he has 18 notoriety, I suppose. He is very expensive, one of the more expensive characters, but... Yeah, second only to Johnny Alpha. Aye, I was like, oh, is he a bit overpowered? And it's purely, purely because of that custom hand blaster, because he's got the gunfighter rule, and he can swap between his blazooga and his custom... Obviously, the blazooga, it's a two-action, a double-action to fire that, so that's a hindrance. But the fact that he can utilise, or he might not be able to shoot the blazooka, but he can be in the open and he could get hit by an enemy, and he could utilise his gunfire skill, his gunfighter, sorry, skill, and uh, shoot right back with that custom hand blaster for uh, no no penalty at all. And the fact it's high power, and also it's no got the minus, the long range modifier, makes him extremely powerful. And I've noticed it. I have noticed it when he's been getting played. His skills, as well as a gunfighter, the schema. I mean, obviously, I do things a bit differently with my campaign, but how the schema works is it's, they get two chicanery cards. And even in standard play, it would mean he can draw an extra chicanery card. And because the chicanery cards can play such a big part in any Strontium Dog game, it's such a great skill to have. Yeah, getting that, getting that extra chicken in the cards is massive, definitely. I mean, I, personally, I, I like Johnny slightly better just because, well, maybe it's just because I like the character better, but 
getting four armory cards, I think, is really good. That equipped, and that's, that's basically his equivalent of it. But yeah, having four chicanery cards is brilliant. So that's great fun. And I agree with you about the uh, most of the time you'll be using that bazooka, and you can just you know flip into gunfighter modules in the pistol. I, I agree that it feels slightly gamey, but it's definitely the, the way it is in the rules. It's not like we're cheating in any way or anything like that. We're not nah. pulling a fast one. That is how he works basically. That he's got the bazooka which you can use. The other thing just to mention about the bazooka when you fire it, even though it's a named fire action, one of the things I missed at the very start of it was that I thought. Because it was in fire, that you still get that two dice bonus, which you could either put into the shoot and you don't. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, exactly. You spend a double action, which has an aim fire, but you're just it's a your basic shoot. Although it does have power five, and it also has a burst template thing, so it's really really powerful. And then yeah, when you start shooting and back at him, then he, he's able to activate that gunfire. So yeah, you should have some uh, nice gunfights with Johnny Wim. But yeah, he's definitely the by far and away. He's the most uh, powerful of the outlaws, and his cost reflects that. He's even more expensive than Wolf. And so far as my own tactics for playing Bubba are concerned, that you know, he, obviously he's a bit, even though he's menacing, he's he's a bit of a kind of cowardly character in the strip. And I think that that's nicely reflected in the fact, obviously, what you, you mentioned the schemer card that uh, that gives you that bonus chicken in the card, and also he's what the snake ability. That's brilliant. Which which allows him to you know swap places with. I think it's the equivalent of uh, what Wolf does with Johnny that he throws himself in the way, whereas uh, yeah, he can switch places with a friendly model. Uh, it's like he uses somebody's a body shield. Yeah, exactly. That's just brilliant. So I, I think it's quite good that you can play him in a fairly cowardly way. So yeah, my tactics are you know to be defensive and unsporting. Right. <laughs> Keep you know you get that great range in the Blazuka forty range, which nothing else comes close to that in the game. So set him up the back. Fire away with the Blazuka. Have um, well, we'll come on to them in a wee second. Well, let's just let's just crack on because he's he's gang help him out a little here. Uh-huh. So you've got Impetigo Jones, who I don't find particularly great, personally speaking. But I tend to use him basically as a foil for Bubba for that what the snake ability. Uh-huh. The other thing I probably wouldn't. I, I think at the time I did it a lot. I used to go for broke a lot with Max Bubba. Because firing the Blazooka twice, t- no, twice in a single turn is, is pretty mega. But I think these days I wouldn't. Because the danger is, if you, obviously if you pin your, you know, if you fail the go for broke, pin yourself, then fail the kill test next turn, you won't get to fire the Blazooka. So I think these days, I think I would probably just sit and back there, activate once a turn. It leaves the gunfighter open. Maybe you could go for it in turn one. If you know, nobody's anywhere near you, you, could, you can afford to take the chance. But I think if the guy, if the enemies were kind of closing in on me, I think I would leave them not go for broke because I've got the gunfighter to respond with. That's it, exactly what I would do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that, I, he's all about self-preservation and that's exactly how you should... <laughs> I mean that gunfighter the fact he's got that gunfighter as you're saying is, I've noticed it with quite a lot of characters that's got gunfighter I found myself initially going for broke if they were like starship players and then the more I've played the game I'm thinking no that gunfighter especially if somebody's got a high resist or evade in which there's a very high chance that they're going to get a, a special result mm. to retaliate I, I mean like Bubba here he's too evade it's fantastic and he's got the tough resist and if he's in cover, he's getting higher resist. You know, he's getting more dice to, to potentially roll, to roll that individual special that he needs. So I'm exactly the same. The more games I've played with him, 
to be honest with you, less I've used is Blazuga. I thought to myself, I'll, I'll just rely on that old long-barreled custom hand blaster because it is pretty deadly. The fact it's high power and all, which so it gives you the, the, the four dice in power rather than the standard three, is phenomenal. Yeah, but it is, it is fun firing off the Blazuga, though, that's the thing. Oh, it is great, <laughs> it is great. I am... I've noticed that quite a lot in the like in the instance when he just was sitting back and I think it was about seventeen and sending shell after shell into the the med bay the Creeler guy in there um, Fitzroy's and I thought it was excellent because he he couldn't even shoot back because he didn't have the range to retaliate because he's he's just sitting in the sidelines just sending shell after shell so it's great I must admit I found that myself it's a kind of godlike complex if you we get you know just sitting back and just sending missile after missile at an enemy. So getting back into Impetigo Jones, one of the reasons I quite like having him as a foil to Max Bubba is that he's got a really high resist. Oh, he's fantastic, yeah. And so when he's doing that what the snake, it means that hopefully Impetigo's going to soak up a lot before he's he can be defeated himself, before that the opponent can really get anywhere near Max Bubba. And yeah, his, his weapon's okay. It's relatively short range. That's probably, I suppose, the danger because it's got the splitter on it. It reduces you to 16 range. And just while we're mentioning that, lowdown of fee and skull, the two of those, the range on them is incorrect. It should be 24 range. The range is correct for Impetigo Jones and Brute mostly because they've got the splitter, which reduces the range by eight. And it also means that their modifier is, uh, is just zero at long range. Whereas the other two are minus one because they don't have the splitter, but they do. They can fire 24 instead of 16. So it's a little typo that's on both the rule book and the cards. So just watch out for that with lowdown and skill. Are you pretty much the same, Alan? Well, what I've noticed with Impetigo is what I like to do with him is because he's got that high resist. I mean, to me, you've got to get him in close for him to be really effective because his weapon has not got the best range. But getting him, using cover, using him to advance and, and staying in cover as much as possible and um, that means if he's taking hits because he's got the high resist and if he is in heavy cover he'll be rolling six dice resist um there's a very good chance he's going to shake off damage there um and plus the fact uh, if he is able to get in the within eight he's getting that plus three modifier so i think he's actually he's quite good oh, fair enough his move is minus one as a kind of foil because of the disease skin that he's got he's got obviously the plus one resist because he's tougher, he's a scaly skin, but he obviously has got minus that that one move. But I felt that it's not really affected him, because if you do a sprint action, you're getting the, the extra D6 anyway. So normally that allows him to get in close enough to a target and then utilise his plus three um, short range bonus. So I think he, all right, he's like a pleb, shall we say, but he's got his, his enemy kind of perks, which I, I felt he's quite a good lieutenant to, to Bubba. Obviously, no patch on Bob himself, but I can understand why you would use that tactic where, um, you know, using him as basically Bubba's body shield because he has got that high resist. Even tougher than Big Brute, and, and Brute is obviously a bigger looking guy, but he's just tougher because obviously he's got the kind of scaly skin mutation. Actually, if you were playing in Patigo, more offensive and I think lowdown would be the best one to then kind of guard Bubba as it were especially if he's both in cover because he gets 
he's resisted three, but he gets a plus one to that when he's in cover, and that's on top of whatever cover he's, you know, if he's in hard cover, he basically gets plus three overall. So he would then, if you were going to use it in Pataigo in a more offensive role, Lowdown probably is the better one, actually, because he, as I say, with that typo, he has 24 range on his, his Stormer, Aye. which means when you sit and camping with Bubba at the back of the board, then you want somebody that's got a bit better range. So he probably has a better fit, especially if you've got the cover. So I, I suppose it comes down to do you have cover? Do you not have cover for both of them? And uh, in which case, I might, if it, if it was a little cover, I might go with Patigo as, as a kind of bodyguard. But uh, it will probably be Scolf. He'll be the one that I would put in in the most in harm's way. But the one good thing that Scolf Scolf's the most expendable for me in the group. But as I say, sometimes he's he's not bad with that old power four stormer. And you can always use an aimed action, aimed fire action, and take the bonus into your shoot if you're if you're wanting to land it. Um, if you're wanting to be a bit more sure about it. Yeah, it's always an option. So particularly when you get a low shoot. Funnily enough, I I think I used that with Skull. Skull didn't really feature much in the campaign, but he, he did wound one of the howlers right away by doing that very tactic. Aimed action, putting his extra die on a hitting, and he did do some damage. He, he hurt the guy he was going for. So that's a perfect example of how to play him. Yep. So they're basically I, I think as a group, they're actually kinda of best sitting back and trying to plug away at whoever they're up against. Brute. And yeah, I suppose uh, in Patigo as well, maybe you can afford to kind of bring them forward. And if you can get them into that eight inches with their guns, that helps them a lot because they get a plus three to it, I think it is. So to me, they're kind of more shooty, <laughs> that gang. I certainly wouldn't want uh, Brute, even though he's quite good in close combat, he, he wouldn't be a match for the likes of Middenface or, or Wolf. So we'd be pretty reluctant to throw him in against those guys. But anyway, shall we move on to Bubo? And the uh, bad boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of them? I love him. Um, the thing that I found is great with these, no just so much booboo, but even just the bad boys in general, see having that more extra movement mm. for every time they move, they get an extra D6 every time. Say they spent two move actions, mm-hmm. right? They get an extra D6 every time they move. And I'm like, that is absolutely phenomenal for getting them across the board. And what's key is... All right, they're not that good shooting, but they've got long barrel blasters, so they've not got any minus modifiers on their blasters, so they're always going to have that one die. And plus, if you get them in close, if you're able to charge these guys in close to an enemy, you just rely on your fight, because they've got three plus one fight. First, it took me a while to understand that you know the concept of the, the brackets, the plus ones and brackets and stuff, and then I realised, if one of them, say, had a grenade and was thrown it, they would only be rolling free die for their fight because it's your, obviously your fight stat you use if you're throwing a, a, a bomb weapon. But in their actual fight, they get four die, and that's why they've differentiated between the brackets and the out of the brackets yep. for certain models. But I've really enjoyed playing these guys. Bubo didn't particularly last log spoilers in the <laughs> in the um, campaign, but... Um, there was a quite wee interesting uh, gunfight that was going on with, with with him and his opponent and his bout. But I see having the, the born to ride skills, I say, is fantastic. Yeah, it means they never fall off. Aye. aye. That as well, you know, because but primarily they get that extra D6 roll any time because they've got the mark. And the fact is that they, ne- they can never fall off the mount. Mount is brilliant as well. Yeah, I've never really used Zap the Sap, so I've never really had an opportunity to use that. Yeah, it's really great. It's tricky because you've kind of got to kind of work it out how you're going to do that. I I did find that was that was one. It took a bit of thinking about because it's for them that's not familiar. 
basically when Bubo activates he can use he can perform a single action to remove D3 action chips from bad boys within six inches and return those chips to the bag. So what I was kind of trying to work out was right so in turn one I basically wanted to move him to a certain point the bad boys and follow him then in turn two um see that's what I mean <laughs> it's really hard to get them to kind of chain up that they've activated and then you're in six inches of them to then remove it so yeah it's really really tricky but it's quite good when you actually get it but it's trying to get it's quite powerful if you get it but as you're saying because a tactic you would do is like you could use flanking maneuvers because they've got so much speed the bad boys what i would probably do is split them up and get them across the board so that they're coming at a target from multiple angles to get them in close so if they're coming at a target from multiple angles, that character, their enemy is going to be having a turn to choose a target, probably go for the strongest target, try to shoot, but then that'll mean that their back arc's potentially exposed to somebody else coming in for the flank, you know? So that tactic, I would probably find the Zap the Saps would go against how I would standard play the guys, because obviously the bad boys have got to be within six inches, isn't it? Yeah, six inches of Bubo for it to be effective, you know? Yeah, that is a tricky part because I think in the actual practice now that I'm thinking back in the games when I used them, what was happening was it didn't really come into play until such a time as we were getting involved in close combat and they were relatively close by. So they would have done like a, they'd done fights that turn. So when you're actually on the move, it's it's hard to use. But yeah, I, tactically for me, it's a real no-brainer for me to like how to play them. Sprint, sprint, sprint because you'll get that minus one for them to hit you. Although don't you get a plus one to mounted model? So it kind of yeah, that is something that I've noticed. I think I've kind of forgot that a couple of times. But you get, you do, you get that because they're mounted. Any mounted model, you got a plus one to hit. So it's the same as hang anybody in a vehicle as well. You got a plus one to hit the vehicle. That's right. Um, in which case, it's even more important that you do sprint actions at the start. The thing that, like you said about the move. So a sprint action in this, you would move. 6 plus D6 for your first move. Yep. Same again for your second. And then you're getting another D6. Yes, exactly. So you can completely move from one end of the board to the other sometimes, depending on your luck. And um, the sprint at least takes that disadvantage away. The enemies have a plus one to hit you. And then, like you mentioned earlier, the shoot is really, really poor. So it's a fight. I mean, they basically get four attack dice, which is certainly four is really, really powerful in close combat. Also, the resist is better in close combat because they, they get plus one resist because of their, their fur, their hairy in close combat. Obviously, the disadvantage is if you get a flame weapon against them, that's not going to be so... <laughs> they'll go up like a candle. As happens uh, to one of the howlers in one of the strips, if I remember right, it gets set in fire. Yeah. The bad boys themselves, their stats, as far as I can tell, are virtually identical. The only difference being that Bubbles get kill four and they've got kill three, which means they're normal characters and he's special. So they're really, really powerful. So I think they're great characters. I think they're, great. Uh, they're great. They're brilliant. What I would do is if, if I was an opponent going up against them, I would uh, actually make sure that there was a lot of heavy cover and, and dense cover on the dense terrain rather than the board because obviously that would uh, hinder their using their move action a lot because they would need to perpetually turn because you can't sprint Mm. You can move over that, but if you were performing a, a sprint action, then you can't perform a sprint action over um, dense cover, you know, anything over an inch. Yeah. So it would be a good tactic to make sure that, oh, a wee bit more uh, 
cover a wee bit more terrain on that board, please. <laughs> no, if you were going up against an opponent with them. Um, but they are very powerful, and I've noticed that. I mean, even characters in mine, Volo, I mean, he's a standard bad boy, and I just love him because he's just... I love I love writing a pattern in that, in The Killing, but um, I've really noticed that as a standard bad boy, they are very still very, very strong. Yeah. So if if you utilise their their talents, shall we say? Yeah, and I think um I think we might have meant touched upon this in the last episode about the general tactics, but I I would always use two fight actions rather than a charge. Oh, definitely. The only time I would use a charge is is if you couldn't make it into the, for the range, basically. Um, that's the only time I would uh, use a charge, but other than that, I would be double fighting because they're good enough that they can dish out the damage, as it were. So. Yeah, I, I tend to coordinate the attacks as well. Try and you know hit one character or two characters at most with the three of them, and then that way take them down as quickly as possible. You hopefully get be able to use that ability if they're all close by and they're all in close combat. Fight several times in one go uh, or twice in one go for the for the bad boys, and then if you can get pick off one straight away, then your opponent is in a, a bind because they're going to have to struggle to keep you uh, to put you down. So. Yeah, I think I think they're really really fun, great characters, quite powerful as well. So glad we agree on that one. <laughs> we agree on probably most of these. Yeah, definitely. Shall we move on to who's next then? Darkest. Yeah. I've always kind of thought um, the design of Darkest and the Howlers is kind of very similar to Bubba and the Bad Boys. If they didn't have if they didn't have that born to ride, I would use them as the kind of like uh, walking version. They're the same species. I've found Darkest. He's been quite a strong model and again it's because of the gunfighter in the long barrel and his weapon that I basically felt his stats is great as well you're talking about he's got that the he's got free resist and he's got the plus and minus uh, for that the only bad thing is if you were going up against an enemy it's got a flame weapon um, that would really really be dodgy but I think he's a relatively strong model no strong as Bubo because he's obviously got the mount but he shoots better so He's, you've not got that hindrance. So, I mean, he shoots actually pretty good. It's one of the higher ones. It's let's shoot free. And then he's obviously got a bonus, a plus one in a um, short range. But again, it's because he's got that long bar on a blaster. He doesn't suffer the minus for long range, which I think is really, really good for him. I mean, what is he? 13 notoriety. So uh, he's quite one of the higher ones. One of the higher guys. But it's gunfighter. Yeah, I mean, I think that gunfighter is really his kind of key ability that he's got. Um, I think that's really powerful. Like, you know, we always think the gunfighter's powerful. It's great. So far as his other two abilities, I mean, the dead better, less trouble, I think, is a thematically fun. doesn't really affect the game too much. He just can't try to subdue models and never use his stun weapons, which is more fun than helpful, if I would <laughs> put it that way. And also the expert tracker, which I quite like because he gets uh, the drop on opponents. And basically, if he's leader, he's always the protagonist. I don't really feel that affects it too much, the game. It doesn't really, no. So, yeah, I didn't find him the most helpful abilities in the world, but he's still powerful because, like you say, he's got that, he's got decent range, no reduction, and he's got the gunfighter. So, yeah, those are pretty good howlers themselves. No bad, yeah. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're not really anything to write home about. Yeah, you probably want them in kind of, again, I think the Stormer range wrong in that. Um, just have a look at it because <laughs> it's not got a, it's not got the adjustment. Yeah, see, I basically I think I whenever I use them, I use the long barrel tan blaster. I think that is the the option they can have. It's either or. I think in their card. I'm just looking at the card. It's not an either or. It seems to be a cost. So you basically get two that you could use then. 
Yeah, you can split between the two of them. So you could you could definitely use a Stormer, which should be 24 range. So you would, I would use that between 16 and 24, then flip to the, the long barrel hand blast. Actually, they're pretty good then, the fact they've got two weapons. that That is something I've never really noticed about them. I think it's primarily when I played them, it's been in the uh, the killing, and, and in that it's like it's, you're only supposed to have a certain amount of weapons, and I've just uh, misread that card. Rather than give them two weapons, I gave them a blaster, and the carving knife, um, which again they haven't got the carving knife here. Have they got the carving knife in their card? No, no. It's the two. It's the two weapons. It's just the same as it is in the book. So you don't really, yeah, it doesn't really come into play that. And I'm just noticing as well, and <laughs> what I was saying there about the long range for the stormer, and then switch it to the the long barrel. Once you get within eight, I would then switch back to the stormer again. Because <laughs> you have plus two, so yeah, that's plus two. Yeah, aye, that's pretty good. That's what I like about what it's been very well thought out. You know, even the playboy guys, you have notoriety, sex. So they're the kind of standard like your uh, Max Bubba's gang, but um, they've got the wee things. The fact is they've got two weapons they can swap between is what gives them a sense of uniqueness. Um, so I think uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good now. I'm seeing them in a new light yeah. now. <laughs> so moving on then. Yeah, uh, Billy Joe. Billy Joe, I've no really a lot of experience in, but the thing is, Billy Joe is he's got no ranged weapons at all. So, depending on the scenario, you've really got to be careful with him because he's got high fight, but getting in close, he relies solely on close combat attacks. Yeah. What I have noticed and I have used with him is that his brawler ability. I've used that. However, there was a wee bit of rules clarification that we needed with that, and and it was if you evade. You choose to evade. You can't choose to evade and move out of range because you basically move yourself out of close combat range. So if you're out of close combat range, utilizing that three inch move that you can't you can utilize if you've made a successful evade, you can't then hit back the target that you've been hitting. Um, it's a case of either or. I think that was cleared up by Andy, wasn't it? I think it was. It's a case of either or. So if you roll that special on an evade roll, you can choose to stand your ground and fight back. Uh, however, if you do, then you're subject to the brawler rules, whereas your your opponent can hit you, right? The only thing you're able to, to do is respond to the attack that, that your opponent's made in you. And I have I, ha, I have basically utilised that. The duelist here is got uh, by wielding two close combat weapons. Billy Joe scores a hit with close combat attacks on both special and hit results, which is pretty cool. I mean, if, if Billy Joe rolls any special results in a close combat attack, he may move up to three inches after the hit has been resolved. That's pretty cool. But I think I've never had a chance to utilise that, or if I have, I've maybe forgot to do it. He's actually one of the, the most complex. It took me quite a while, and I've actually written it out, so I'm just going to run through this for them that's listening. Again, there'll be links to this in the, underneath the video on YouTube. So, when you're playing Billy Joe... When he instigates a close combat attack with his Laz Whips, remember that they've got three inch range. So this means that if you keep him more than an inch away from an enemy, you can conduct a close combat attack with him, but not actually be engaged with the enemy. And that would be more helpful if you were up against somebody like Wolf or Middenface where they've got Brawler. So if you were using that at three inches, they can't instigate Brawler back at you. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I've totally missed that. And I'm I, I, like I just said to the other howlers, I'm seeing him in a whole new light tactically there, and it's very good because it reflects the actual appearance of Billy Joe in the Star Lord original strip. 
because he's dancing rings around Johnny when he's fighting him with the last whips because he's that good with him. So I could just picture a model doing that, the Billy Joe model doing that on the table, getting in close to either Wolf or Middenface, but no so close that they're able to retaliate, getting a successful hit, utilising the special and then moving away. You know what I mean? Moving, Maybe even moving round so that he gets into his backup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then if you get a fr- another hit, say with a, like another action, and you hit them in their back arc, they're going to be down to resist, yep. you know, for getting hit in their back arc. As well as the Laz, the special for the Laz whip has got the minus one resist as it is. I'm going to come on to that. <laughs> so when you're rolling to hit in close combat, because he's got the, the two Laz whips, he gains plus one in his rolls to hit, which gives him five combat dice because he's got a, a fight of four. That gives him a plus one. Each one of these dice that you're rolling, because he's got this duelist skill, if you roll either a special or a hit, it's, it counts as a as a hit, which gives him means he's got a 67% chance of a hit with each dice rather than the usual 50%. And on top of that, if any of those came up with the special result, you can move an extra three inches after the attack has been resolved, which is about dancing around the guys like you're talking about. Then, once you've got past that stage, you've got the calculating damage. So, because he's dual wielding the close combat weapons Billy Joe can only inflict damage with one weapon so that means that he rolls his fight minus one for his last whip plus any other modifiers if he was charging you get a plus one to that you've got to note that the duelist special rule does not apply when calculating damage in other words special results do not count in this section and the last thing is the target resisting damage the defending model usually gets plus one resist against two close combat weapons but this is cancelled out by the minus one to resist special rule for these last whips. So it's pretty complex. And if you want to, I know that was a lot just to unload there in that, a podcast. So as I said, have a look at the blog post that I'll drop in uh, the links in YouTube for that. So it's definitely the hardest of all the characters for me to have got my head around to is exactly how you use them. But certainly when he uses that last whip, keep him at range. And it stops Middenface and, and Wolf uh, retaliating if you're not actually engaged in close combat. And again, he's, he's pretty similar in terms of tactics to what I was talking about with Bubu and the bad boys. Sprint, sprint, sprint. Get in there and, and fight and use double fight actions to... Um, well, and as I say, you don't <laughs> try and keep them at, at range so that you can just basically knock seven bells out of them. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's how it'll get the better of uh, pretty much MDLs in the game. So he's completely useless in terms of ranged weaponry, so get whipping. He <laughs> <laughs> has actually still got a shoot stat, but um, he can't utilise it because he's got, he's not even got like a basic hand blaster, which he could have been given because I think the first one of them is free anyway, but basically he just utilises the whips all the time. But I'm actually a bit hangmade how the, maybe they're thinking they like custom games. If you, if you decide to give them a blast on a custom game. I suppose you can pick up weapons as well. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Ah, uh, you can. So, yeah, so that's, I think that'll be the reason why it's in there. And, uh, sorry, the one thing I didn't mention was because he's got that faces on either side of his head. He has no back fire arc, so you can never... He's got a 360-degree front fire arc. <laughs> that's brilliant as well. That is good. I like that. So, that's quite fun. Steel Creek... Steel Krieg I think's brilliant. Mm-hmm. The thing I like I really like about Steel Krieg is if you play Steel Krieg, like how his uh, personality was in the killing, he's a brilliant model because he's got the resist five 
And if you keep them in a, even a, an, you're able to get them to an elevated position with cover. And if that's heavy cover he's in, he's getting extra two dice onto that as well. Plus he has the fire pack, which, all right, it's aimed fire only and it's a double action to fire it. But the range in that thing, the fact is even a long range is 18, which isn't brilliant, but it's still, it's a plus one modifier to hit. Yeah, and 18 is more than most. Stormers are the only ones that are far, or in the Blizzard, but yeah, most weapons, most of the weapons are 16. And Steel Krieg, he's, he's shoot, his basic shoot is free, so you're talking about if he's shooting at a long-range target that's coming in to try and kill him, he's in heavy cover, so he's got that, that resist. He's pretty impregnable, and if he was to shoot back, even at long range, he's getting four die to do it. And at short range, he gets plus four modifier, which is even, which is insane. Seven dice to attack, Aye. so yeah. That's... And it's the fact that it's an aim fire only weapon, fair enough, but it's a blast free inch, so... He could hit multiple enemies in that blast free inch template, that radius. Plus, they get absolutely no cover bonus because flame weapons negate any cover bonus that a, a hit target would get. I think he's phenomenal, and I've used him to good effect in the tournament, which is his second bouts coming up, shall we say. But uh, I liked in the first one he was in the, the tower. All I'll say is that Steel Creek, by nature, seeks out the best cover, the best position to play the percentages as he does. Because that's that's how he was in the killing, and that's how I've chosen to play him. And I've really seen it firsthand that he's if you play him that way, he's such a powerful opponent. If you've got to winkle him out of his cover, because he's got that high resist, plus he's also got the emergency protocols, it means if he's, he's hit, it's like hunkered down. He can totally remove all of his, his injury markers. Yeah, usually there's always, you can never get rid of all, you can always, there's always one if you've been injured a couple of times, but for him, you can get rid of all of them. It's the equivalent of having a, a med pack. I would just say about the, the med pack, the, the big difference is that the med pack just automatically removes all the injury markers, he's still got to roll there. Ah, he's, he's still got to roll, yeah. yeah. Just in case MD <laughs> starts playing it wrong because of what we said. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know, would you still go for broke with him? Because to me, obviously, he's useless if you can't activate him. So would you still take the chance? See, to be honest with you, I have done it in the past. And I think it's paid off, but a couple of times I've regretted it. Because exactly what you're saying, he's uh, been pinned because I failed it. I went to the next turn and he couldn't remove the pin because he failed the pin roll. And then that meant he's got absolutely no other weapon. So it is... To be honest with you, it would need to be extenuating circumstances for me to use go for broke with him because he becomes just a big lump of tin. You can't do anything with him. You can't if you're playing him the tactic that he's staying in cover and he's staying away from your opponents. You can't even get in close to to use the the concealed blade. But I, I learned that the hard way, shall we say? In a, a, a couple of bouts that I played, a couple of um, games that I played with him. The only time I would maybe use it is if he got a successful hit. See, he fired an exposed target. And he got a successful hit. Well, he doesn't even need to be exposed. Because cover doesn't matter. And he maybe hadn't he killed him, killed the target. I would potentially risk it to be able to, to finish the target off, potentially. But it would purely depend on the abilities of the opponent. Because if he had managed to hit the, the opponent and wound him, then the stats would be negated anyway. You know, like, he's, maybe his full shoot would be taken off. You wouldn't. You, uh, it would be purely on the circumstances of the opponent that was coming for him. But it's good to have the option to do it. But like I say, you need to be very careful with using him. Yeah, it's 
as we talked about before, Kill cool 4 is basically a coin toss as to whether you're going to get it back into the bag. So I'm I'm a lot more wary now that I'm aware of the percentages and that, I have to uh, say. <laughs> the, the difference is with like Bubba, as you were saying, is he's already, he's got a double action weapon, but he's got that long barrel blaster that he can fall back in. And that's what the difference is. Steel Krieg hasn't got any other ranged weapon other than that fire pack. So that's why I think you're right. Uh, very extenuating circumstances to use Go For Broke with him. But as I say, I think I have used it about 16, I think it was. And uh, I think it was about a disaster for him. I think he got pinned a couple of times with it. But uh, all, all in, though, I love playing Steel Krieg um, because he's a very thematic model. How he starts, it's total genius how he starts. has been planned by Andy and, was it Gav as well? Gav, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's put this together because it's all so obvious that they're true fans of the killing uh, strip because, it, as I say, I play him that way and he's very, very strong if you play him that way, the kind of hang back, play the percentages model. And he's also uh, analytical, which basically means opposing players draw one less chicane in the card than they usually would. I actually find if you take Steel Creek along with Max Bubba, that's quite a good tactic because... It means that you'll start the game with four chicanery cards and the opponent, unless he's got a similar model, will only start with two, which is a, a big, big advantage before you even start the game. Probably the biggest problem with Steel Creek is he's got no evade, which makes him really vulnerable to the, the T-weapons. You still get a plus one. Now, if somebody throws a time bomb, you automatically get one evade, but uh, Steel Creek himself would admit that's only a 16.67% chance of escape. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you fell foul I can remember the one that you did it was a, I think it was a time trap you got caught in wasn't it yeah. um, the one that you you done a vid for yeah I think I'd, I, I think at that stage I didn't appreciate the fact that he got the plus one I think I'd missed that ah so, that's right aye. he still would have failed anyway the five or six chance of failing anyway uh, Cancer what do you think of him uh, Cancer I love playing him I love purely because of the halogen that gives him that plus three your bonus so you're talking about, he's already got one evade, but with that plus three bonus to that evade, he's amazing. <laughs> and how, uh, obviously, we, how things, certain things worked out when I've been playing him, he's, if, see if he ends up with a chameleon cloak, yeah. he's getting plus five evade. Alright, he's not that good when it comes to shoot, but his quality hand blaster that he's got is got, it's a blister. So it's got the, the flame effect, which basically means it negates, again, just like Steel Krieg, um, negates any effect of cover that a, a target will have. His hook hand, all right, it's no, no much to write home about, it, but it's still, he's, it's a close combat weapon, and he's, he's fighting, he shoots kind of basic. The one hindrance that I think that he's got is his moves. No a lot for, because he's a behemoth, isn't he? I think that's a uh, elephant. I can't even say that. Elef Elephantine. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, but uh, that's his, his, basically his... His biology, really. Aye, uh, and it's basically sacrifice for the other things that he's got. But even then, I don't think it's a lot of a sacrifice. I, I think that he's a very powerful bad guy. Also, with that, with that resist for... Because he also well, obviously is um, huge. I'm not saying that word again. <laughs> he's huge, behemoth, behemoth will call him. Um, but he's got that extra, so he's got resist four. So I think he's been very strong whenever I played him. That's what I'm saying. Again, he gets an extra chicanery card if you're if he's your leader. Um, I should be saying that by the way. All these ones where it's like bonus chicanery cards, it's only if they're the leader. So it's not like if you took all of these and aye, if they were my gang, you're going to get that. Yeah, yeah. 
and the other thing that's quite uh, I totally agree with you about the halogen that's how it's pronounced or halogen for the bonus of evade but the he's got the, the mind warp which is a it is a double action, which is pretty costly. Obviously, that's your whole turn. But the target takes a kill test, and if he fails it, you can take a you can take a single action with the enemy model. And even if they fail it, the enemy model's pinned at least. So that's very similar to the thing that uh, Johnny Alpha does. And the, the what I love what I love about that is if you're one of your opponents, you just went on Overwatch. It's fantastic to use that if it suits you, because at the very least, you know that you're going to be able to pin him. So that means if an opponent's pinned, they automatically lose. Overwatch, so it's a way just to completely waste that guy's move. That's clever. I, I never really thought of that. <laughs> Aye, and again, I missed that at first. I think if somebody's injured, stunned, or pinned, they automatically lose an Overwatch. So that's a phenomenal way. You just you've just wasted your entire move there. You know, um, having said that, it is too you know double action to use it. Yeah, but if that comes off for you as well, that you basically activate one of your enemy models to shoot another one of their allies, that's, that's really powerful. So, Aye. Particularly if, if they've got like a, they can backshot them or something like that, that would be better. So, yeah, he's a great character, definitely. So, shall we try and squeeze in a few extra bonuses? Because that's obviously all the outlaws that are in the, the basic book. I thought I'd maybe mention about the Creelers that just because they're... Uh, yeah, they're a set that came out very late on. They're pretty much one of the last ones along with the Mutant Generals. Maybe talk about the Mutant Generals next episode. But the Creelers, I suppose the simplest thing to say is that you've basically got three different cards that come with them. You've got the kind of bog-standard soldiers, you've got a, an officer, and you've got Nelson Creelman, as he's listed there, or Nelson Bunker Creelman, as I like to call him, MBK. Aye. Obviously the soldiers, you see them like the Muties, cutting through them uh, quite easily in the strips so they're pretty poor they're really just very basic characters that don't really do anything there's nothing exciting to, to report home about the killer's officer if he's a leader you get an extra armory card the thing about them is they're basically they're a bit better they're, they're decent characters they're all pretty much stats three and the one disadvantage to me about the killer's officer if you're bringing Kuhlman to the table there's no real reason for you to bother with the killer's officer, you probably just want to take them all as soldiers. So I've come up with something to fix that. <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute. The other thing is uh, if you take Creelman as a leader, instead of getting that equipped thing that you would get with the officer, you actually get four chicane of the cards because he's such a kind of sneaky mastermind of a character. And at the start, you're, obviously you just get your usual three armory cards, but one of them is automatically a time bomb. Aye, that's phenomenal. One kind of little tweak about that is normally for the time bombs, MD can use, can call upon them on your side, but in this instance, only Kaelman has access to it. So you can use it, but you can also use it to escape, uh, which I think is fun. Aye. I like that, because I suppose my biggest criticism of the Kaelman character is that he's got no evade, and to me he would be quite slimy, but obviously they've covered that base by giving them this uh, way off the table. He's also got the Feared by Muties ability, which is really useful. It's very similar to Sticks. Um, spoiler alert, that's who we're going to talk about next. If you get them to within 8 inches of an enemy unit or enemy models, except with the exception of Johnny Alpha, who doesn't fear them, then they've got to take a kill test, and if they fail it, they're pinned, which again, what you were just saying, it would break Overwatch and things like that. And If there's enemies who have weapons that are double action ones, that kind of messes things up for them as well, potentially. And that ability doesn't count as an action, by the way. That's just when he activates 
if there's any muties within eight inches of them, they've got to do this kill test and they'll be pinned if they don't, and then they can just get on a maze normal business. The way you would play the Creelers, as I say, their stats are basically all rounders, so you can you can adapt them to best deal with the, the challenge at hand, whether that's you know scenario mission or the, the enemies that you're facing. The one caveat I would say is that their weapons are all minus one at range, so you the basic foot soldiers have only got a shoot two, you, you will want to get them in H. 8 inch range to get that sweet spot to turn up the heat on the muties and if they're accompanied yeah obviously if they're accompanied by crewmen that's that ability if they're at 8 inches anyway will be pretty devastating towards mutant foes I would definitely want to keep them at range if you were fo- facing you know close combat specialists like Wolf or Middenface I, always, I know I'll keep mentioning the two of them but they are the close combat specialists and because they're modified shoot at range you might consider taking an aim shot rather than two snapshots to try and boost your chances of hitting but on the other hand you know two snapshots you've got two chances it's totally up to you so the, the one mod i've came up with them and um, because as i said there's no real incentive for you to take the officers at all if you're fielding crewman himself is that basically i've come up with crewman's personal entourage and what that is is that he picks an entourage of the finest and most fanatical creelers to act as his bodyguards. They use the officer stats and they cost the same notoriety. So you can use that officer card, but there's one little tweak to them. Instead of having that equipped ability, they use the same, I think it's called various things, and they, depending on who it is, but basically they look out Johnny ability. The officers are the ones who will have that ability to swap places with crewmen to protect them because they're absolute fanatics and they will do anything to save them. So it's basically the, yeah, it is actually Wolf's ability really because it's it's about him swapping places with Johnny in particular and in this case they're swapping places with crewmen. So I just think it's a good way to get use out of those officer characters that, you know, and you can get them all on the table and I think pretty much works out a bit. Yeah, maybe I've miscalculated, but I think I worked out and it worked out roughly about 50 points if you took if you have two sets of them all so yeah that's a good way to use them if you get the use out of both those characters and and it is costed i did check this with all the rules in the book about the costings so because all we're really doing is dropping out one ability and replacing it with another it's the same notoriety and you can mess about with them but yeah just use them situationally really just respond to the scenario at hand they can work at range and they can also uh, they're not great at close combat either they're not, they're not really great at anything <laughs> nah, even Creelman um, even Creelman and the officers are three across the board basically I think is pretty much what their stats are so they're, they're decent but they're not exceptional at anything but yeah has that time bomb is, is pretty is pretty handy ah that's brilliant the thing is well the wee mods that you've just uh, suggested there you could have a quite a good wee battle you know if you're talking about it all comes in at about 15 notoriety did you say I think so <laughs> don't quote me on it Aye. hang on there's but you could have like See, like a, a kind of flashback, obviously, in the Muty War, because that was when they were primarily featured. I know some have like, appeared as mercenaries and that and, and, and further stories, but you could have, like, Johnny even teaming up with the Weird Brothers because in uh, the Portrait of a Mutant storyline, when he takes in his hit squad, the Weird Brothers are part of it. His and Cuss are part of it. So, bizarrely, you know, normally his and Cuss are always enemies, and uh, you could actually have Johnny teaming up with them here because, obviously, it's before they became the, the bad guys that they became. And obviously, you could throw in a couple more of the, like the mutant generals, even have arms, even though it goes against the actual f- story. Um, you could utilize some of the mutant generals and have it that there was enough for the for a fifteen notoriety game on either side. And I think you'd have a quite an interesting me clash there. I think it'd be it'd be pretty good. Yeah, I'm just looking at the cards again. There, sorry. So the set comes with three 
basic crawlers, which are three each. So that's nine for the three of them. You've got the officer, who's 10 points. And then you've got Creelman, who's 12 points. So that would be 19, 21, 31, just from the, the set that you get. But I've got two sets. So basically, it would be the 19 times 2, 38, and then plus Creelman himself. So yeah, I've got two Creelman figures, although one's got darker here, so it's not really Creelman. So I can effectively have some you know replacement if i want to do that but yeah if you took two squads basically two officers six basic soldiers and Kilman, that's a that's a 50.4 switches uh there'll be some fight that it'd be really good so yeah that's a fun one and last of all to me they're villains <laughs> hey, is, uh, is sticks the, the are... sticks characters i love the sticks characters some of my favorite characters out of the whole thing to be honest what do you think of sticks Oh, I love Sticks. But to me, I know he's been kind of, some would say maybe done to death, shall we say, because he, he, he continually pops up. However, you know, in a new iteration, you're like, he's dead, but you're like, there's just so many of them are like a, there's a whole planet of them in one of the later strips. Yeah, I think so. But the original Sticks in the Shickle Gruber Grab was phenomenal bad guy. And then the other two brothers that showed up in Outlaw, phenomenal. So to me, they are the original Sticks. That free. Even though I'm sure John and Alan, when they were coming up with the actual concept, it was maybe something that was added on, the idea of them having brothers potentially later on, because they're never, it's never mentioned that there's uh, more than one sticks. But I just totally love What I love about him is you're no completely sure about his mutation, just even his, his appearance. All right, he's got a strange look to him, but you don't really know what his mutation is, mm. other than the fact he's kind of get whenever you see the kind of colour, Versions of him, he's kind of got yellowish eyes, a bit almost like a version of Johnny. But see, when you see it in the Shiggle Grover grab him climbing down the walls and he's putting his, his hands right through the walls and you're like, ah, that's no right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's just something no right about him. Um, and I think it's actually reflected. Intimidating, he's got height and strength, so it's plus one bite. So they've actually covered that in his mutations. But I think Dix is a, a great villain. Really, really good. Again, the gunfighter skill, the trademark long barrel and high power blaster, very, very strong. And the, with the intimidating um, skill that he's got as well, anybody within eight inches, it's not even an action, I don't know. It's, it's anybody within eight inches needs to make a cool test. Yeah. That's a nightmare that for any opponent. And it's the fact it's not just pick a target, it's anyone that's in within that eight inch arc. Uh, it's fantastic skill. Yeah. All right. Soft shot with a purposeful. He will never charge, and he will never sprint. I quite like that though, <laughs> just because it reflects the strength. Because that's how he is. Yeah. He's a slow move, relentless enemy. Kind of almost like Terminator in a way. Um, yeah. You know, so. That kind of slow advance, completely uh, confident in his abilities. Sometimes overconfident um, as it plays out in the strips. But um, a great, great uh, foil for Johnny Alpha and basically any any opponent that they're going up against, I think they're a great, great bad guy. Yeah, and they've got the gunfighter as well. I mean, my personal preference is to use them that way because they do tend to be gunfighters on the, the strip. The one thing I suppose I was slightly surprised about was the fact that their shoot was three. I know that Johnny does edge it. <laughs> it seems to be most of the time when they, they kind of face off against each other. But I don't know. I just always had them down as a, a stat-wise, I would have had them as a four personally. Maybe, yeah. The other thing you mentioned about them is that their fight is four, which is really, really good. So That's great. I was just about to cover that myself because, all right, it's plus one fight, but it's it's no free brackets plus one fight. 
they're four fights, so that means if they're thrown, obviously, a grenade weapon, they get the full benefit of that four stat. Yep. And then also, it's like the fight stat is what's used for damage. So I, I, I think they're great, really, really powerful. And plus, they've still got evade one. They've still been able to squeeze in the evade, and then they've also got a high resist. Four, very, very good. Yeah, they're, they're excellent characters, and I, I think they're suitably powerful. Um, that's how I want them to be. I want them to be really powerful. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I try and get them on the board as often as I can because I just, uh-huh. I just love those characters. Yeah, I, th- I think ideally, uh, as I say, I'd, I, I like using them to shoot, but there's nothing wrong with getting them in amongst a, a close combat. And that, again, that intimidation, as you've, as you've covered, is, is really handy as well. So, yeah. Is there anything else, you, anything else you'd like to sneak in, Alan? Uh, yeah, the one thing is probably the weirds, because they're, even though they're strontium dogs, they are uh, primarily villains. So... I love the weirds. I've loved the, the concept of the weirds right back at the strip. Again, the story with um, the Gronk Affair storyline with them really showing their true colours, how, how nasty they are, that they're prepared to lead a group of slavers to commit genocide on the Gronks who, who cannot fight back at all. It sets them up for fantastic bad guys who you're just really, really rooting that Johnny and Wolf are going to just wipe the floor of them. And that is basically what what happens. But the fact of being in Included here is great. Just to see the three models working together on the table is great. Uh, his weird is by far the strongest. We have in the, the snake here is his mutation. He gives him the plus one fight in close combat. And again, it's great though because his fight is pretty poor for like throwing um, weapons. It's only two, but with that wee plus one, it gives him the extra boost that he would need in a uh, close combat. But he shoots pretty good and um, free, but he's because he's a big sturdy guy, he's got resist four. So, very, very good. I love the fact he's a schemer as well. Um, gets the extra uh, chicanery card. And he's got a high-power blaster. So, he's very, very good. And uh, Just looking at his double-crosser one here. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. Basically, if, if he injures a, a friendly mod, he'll get some extra bonus credits at the end of the, the game. <laughs> that, is a, that is awesome. That is awesome. If you're playing like a campaign, that is, that is brilliant. Cuss uh, is pretty standard. Still pretty good shoot. He's... Blaster is only uh, free, but he's got two of them, so he could use a multiple weapons rule, but I, I personally don't tend to use that. I'm the same. But he's got the option. But he's got one quite good one here, Brotherly Bonds, and it basically uh, causes no problems ordering Silent around. When Cuss activates, he can remove any chip from a uh, Silent Weird and put it back into the bag, which is similar like Bubo with the bad boys. But it's a nice wee skill, uh, thematic skill, because he does, he's always bossing Silent about, battering them, and, and it really goes great with the actual theme of the characters. I love his mutation. It's just ugly snaker. <laughs> Cosmetic, no effect. Brilliant. Um, and then, of course, we've got Silent, the immortal Silent Weird, who is just the most pathetic guy ever. Yeah. But it is, to- I mean, he's won notoriety. It's fantastic. Yeah, he's just. Move four, shoot one, fight one, no evade, resist two, and cool one. Phenomenal. Um, because it's just like the guy. It's just like him. But the fact he can't do any double actions because he's got no features. But the rules for the no features, he's never pinned. So, I mean, it could be bonuses in that, I suppose. But the thing is, William, if you get him in close enough, he still might do some damage because he's got that, um, he's still got a gun and a you know, basic bla- a hand blaster. All right, his power's only three. 
but he's got that wee plus one bonus if you get him in close enough. So he could still do some damage. Using that, the combination of cuss, potentially using the brotherly bonds and getting his chip return to the bag. And then there is potential there, but to me, you've got to use them as a full unit to get the, the best benefit with these guys. He counts as a point. So, you know, and it's a chip in the back. That's the way I look at it <laughs> for Zion. And the Fly's Eyes Wagner is the other one who's who's a kind of bit of a dubious strontium dog. Aye, because he was a strontium dog, killed his partner and then promptly got a price in his head because of it. Uh, but Fly's Eyes, I think, is great. Obviously, gunfighter skill. He's quality hand blaster. You've got to get him in close because he's uh, it's a repeater function he's got. So he's a plus two for short range, but he's a minus two for the long range. But what's good about him is he's got the equipped, so he gets extra armoury cards. Aye, an extra one, yeah. Aye, an extra one, yeah. The, all right, he's got the fly's eyes, which gives him a plus one bonus to his evade, so he's got two evade. However, if he's stunned or injured by any attack, he also gains a pin marker as well, which uh, I think I forgot to do that a couple of times, to be honest with you, but uh, that is a bit dodgy, to be honest with you. It's a, it's, a, it's a big problem for him because he's got gunfighter in it. It means if he gets stunned or injured, the gunfighter's pretty useless, which is a bit of a shame. So he is one of those characters where I would be more inclined to go for broke, even though it's a 50-50, just because I don't feel the, the gunfighter's that likely to... As soon as he's as soon as he's stunned or injured, that's that gunfighter's out of the equations. Aye, it's definitely something that one would benefit him if he's got multiple guys shooting at him or an opponent with any skill shooting at him. Um, so I would be the same. I would probably use utilize go for broke as often as I could with him. Yeah, that's have a good resist though. So uh, aye, his resist's good. So I do. I love the character purely for the thematic side of it, but it's so much. I just love this entire game because they've picked. I, w- I would love to see them do loads and loads more of the villains and, and more releases. Please, Warlord, please, if you're listening to this, do some more Strontium Dog releases. <laughs> but what they have done, they have picked the cream of the crop. Um, and even though I would, the whole cast of the killing, the official killing, there'd be so much that could be done there. Yeah, I'd like that as well. Oh, it'd be brilliant. So many. In fact, I think, uh, I think Gav Thorpe said that when he was on last year. He would quite like to see an expansion for the, the killing and have all those uh, characters. So, yeah, I, I would throw in with that as well. That, that would be my ideal. But the ones that they've picked, I, I must admit, they're all excellent. All really, really good. And as soon as I, I picked up the rule book and, and was looking through it and seen what was coming, because obviously at that stage you only had the first wave and the, the you know the the actual figures you get in the box. I was like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. The amount of guys that was going to get released. Two that I would also love to see purely because they're mentioned in the rule book is Big Cynthia and Armstrong Jones. They're under the Slaphead character, another dodgy, potentially dodgy strontium dog. Uh, but Slaphead, it's just known associates, and there's a wee bit that's mentioned, and it just says Big Cynthia and Armstrong Jones, which I've always felt odd because I thought every other known associate that's mentioned has got a model, and they felt they need to mention them. So I've actually thought that maybe they're planned to release them at some point in the future, which maybe hasn't happened, but who knows? It's maybe only my perception of that. But again, we can cover Slaphead as part of the Strontium Dogs next time, I suppose. Excellent. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody that's listening has enjoyed that little talk through some of the more notorious characters in the Strontium Dog universe, and hopefully that helps give you some ideas about how you best play them. We will have another episode coming up to cons- well, once your uh, campaign of the killing concludes. Alan, um, talking about the heroes. Aye. Obviously, Johnny Alpha and Wolf is going to be covered in that in Midden Face and all your, all your favourites. So that's something to look forward to. 
when this episode's broadcast, it's coinciding. Normally, this would be a week where we would have a bout, a full bout of the killing, but we've just got a little, a little short. Aye. Uh, showing the carnage so far, very short, but. Normal service will resume in another two weeks with another full episode, and really that'll be into the back straight, running towards the end of the killing. So still quite a few episodes to come, and yeah, and the final, the heroes episode will follow that. So thanks for joining me today, Alan, and sharing your thoughts about the all the different miniatures and uh, the skills and all that, and that was good fun. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, that was great. Pleasure as always. So. All that's coming up on the channel. Um, also, some other 2000 AD gaming. I'll be doing some other little bits and pieces here, so watch out for some of that. And until next time, keep on living the life of die. <laughs>